Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jeremy O'Day, General Manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. How have you found Blue Mountain so far? Well, it's nice. We got in kind of late last night, so we didn't really get to see too much of it just from outside. But I, I did take a peek outside my window, and there's a there's a slope ending right by my, by, by my window, so it's pretty cool. Any skiing? No, I don't think I'll, I'll, think I'll ski. It's a little rough <laughs> on the bigger guys, but I think I'll pass on that. Okay, it might be hard on the knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. been a little bit of a busy offseason for you so far. You guys bring in Jason Moss. How did that all come together? Well, uh, when we had discussions at the end of the year about the coaching staff, um, I give uh, Craig a lot of uh, flexibility with the staff, and, and obviously uh, we bounce things off of each other. Um, and I, our thoughts are that we had a, a, a good year on offense, but we wanted to, uh, to see if that we can improve. So um, we did some exploring, and, and uh, you know, Craig reached out, reached out to Jason to see if he, there was any interest there. Um, kind of just put it out to him to see if um, he was planning on still staying in, in CFL, whether he was going to take a year off, whether he wanted to go down to the States. And uh, a few days later, Jason called back and asked to meet with us, and, and uh, we had him over to Saskatchewan and ended up working out. And, end up going with him as our, as our OC. Were you surprised that he was open to getting back into a position so quickly and not being a head coach? Um, you know, I think it's more of a personal thing for, for a coach. There's there's a lot of ways you could look at that when you have that opportunity. Um, he, he really could, he had multiple opportunities where he could have went. It's just a matter of um, probably what the right fit was uh, for him and his family. And, um, you know, I think that uh, what he liked about Saskatchewan is what a lot of people uh, like is, is the environment, the organization, the, the fans. Um, and so we had a great conversation with him. Um, he was uh, honored to have, have us reach out to him and we were honored to have him join us. You checked off one of the major boxes on your to-do list in season, re-signing Cody Fajardo for a two-year deal. How did that come together in season? Because you often see a lot of players that don't want to talk contract in season. Mm -hmm. So what was it like from your end? Um, I think really it was uh, it was kind of a, a unique situation where we were going with a guy that didn't have a lot of uh, a sample size of playing as a starter, right? So I think I think uh, our approach early on was just let's wait and see how you know uh, if he's able to, to continue to have success for for a number of games and see how he reacts when there's some adversity. And um, as the season went on and as as he kind of uh, kind of made his. Uh, his resume a little bit bigger as he played. Um, I think it came, became clear for, for both Craig and I that he was our guy moving forward. And so, um, you know, just wanted to have a conversation with him and just called him in uh, into the office, just asked him, um, you know, what his thoughts are, whether if he'd rather wait till the end of the season or if he'd rather uh, start working on something now. And he said it was something that was on his mind and, and he'd like to start the conversation. So. So we did that with uh, with him as representation and, and uh, started working through that and it took a little bit, a little bit of time and um, but at the end it did end up working out for both teams. Did about how long did it take and if we can kind of go inside that like how many kind of conversations did you have or like offers go back and forth? I just think people would be interested to hear like how a deal 
starts, as you said, you're waiting to see what his body of work is going to be and then to ultimately signing the deal. Yeah, I don't recall, um, I don't recall the, the timing of, of when, we, when I actually started to speak to Cody. I know that uh, initially I reached out to his agent and just said, hey, we're happy with, with what he's doing. Uh, we'd like to talk to you at some, some point about a contract. Um, but I think right now the timing is maybe we'll just wait and, and uh, see how the season progresses. And that was kind of early on in the process. Uh, really just to touch base with his agent, just to let him know, um, you know we're excited, we were excited about him and, and happy that he was doing well. And then also we, we saw him as being a, uh, a piece of the puzzle moving forward. Uh, and then I think it was a couple weeks after that where I called Cody in and I just really wanted to, I hadn't had an opportunity to talk to Cody about his contract. It's not something you regularly talk to players about during the season. Um, but in this case, with the, the position we were in and um, recognizing that we think we have our franchise guy, then, then, uh, then I wanted to just bring him in and just kind of talk to him a little bit, get inside his mind of, of exactly uh, you know, what he was thinking and, and making sure that the feeling was mutual and then also kind of just ask him if he wanted to get into contract talk. So I think from that point, um, you know, it may have, have taken a week or two or somewhere in there with conversations back and forth. I think initially, you know, you obviously send over an offer to the agent, the agent will review the offer and then he'll come back and he'll just kind of start nipping away at it. So um, I think all in all, maybe it was a couple of weeks And a lot of people would go back to free agency, let's say, when you originally signed Cody. And I'm talking in Regina, just rumors and people talking. They wanted you to sign Jonathan Jennings. And you look back at that decision now, made a pretty good one. Yeah, they don't, all, they don't always work out. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in this case, you just really rely on what you believe in and what you see uh, with your eyes and your coaches that, uh, that help with that process. And, and uh, you do get a lot of input from coaches and people that have worked with the players in the past you know you're trying to you try to gather as much of the information as you can and sometimes it can be overkill and sometimes you can kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you're if you're doing a little bit too much or sometimes the evaluation's off so um, really just trusting what you believe in and, and uh, watching the tape and just seeing that you know we just we had a feeling about Cody as being an up-and-comer that was one of those guys that that maybe has uh, just hasn't gotten the opportunity, not necessarily uh, hasn't earned it, but just hadn't gotten the opportunity to play more than what he was. And I think with him, he was having early success at being such a good short yardage quarterback that kind of um, maybe kept him back a little bit. You know, uh, I know that the year before we actually had some interest in him too. Um, uh, in our short yardage package, we were trying to see if we could, uh, uh, I know Chris had, we had interest in him prior to the season to have been before he went to BC, coming uh, out of Toronto. Yep, yep, we had interest early on. Um, I can remember Chris and I talking. Uh, there was a period of time where short yardage was a concern, and uh, we, were, we were trying to get Cody over, and, and never really worked out. So that would have been via trade that was in season? Yeah. yeah. So if you were aware of him then, obviously, or had an idea that you wanted him, how far back did you go in terms of studying Cody, in terms of years that you were aware of him? Because I think he had over 100 touchdowns at Nevada. Yeah. Well, we obviously go back and review the college tape because there's a lot of it there, right? Because he had such success there. His numbers are, his numbers when you see him on paper will make you, you get interested just looking at his <laughs> numbers. But, you know, the fact that he can do both, uh, that he's not just a runner, not just a thrower, um, uh, that was really intriguing. And then I think uh, when you have 
those type of numbers and then you have the type of personality, the type of character that Cody is, um, you know, those, those are the things that we looked at that were, that were intriguing to us before we offered the contract, right? So uh, he had a history of playing real well and every time he had an opportunity to play well in our league, he's, he's, he's done well. Uh, and then just a, uh, just a character guy as well and someone that you wanted to lock from someone that could definitely lead, lead your team. It almost seems like he's a perfect fit in Regina there with the way the community has embraced him and he's done the same. Maybe got a few lucky sprinkles of Jesus in there with how it all worked out. But did that play a role in terms of you wanting to commit to him for at least a couple more years of being um, the franchise guy? You know, it's an interesting question. It's a good question uh, because you're in the process and, and um, you know, Saskatchewan's been looking for a franchise guy since Darien, right? So we've been, uh, everyone's kind of waiting for for that next guy to come in and establish himself and then um, you know, provide that hope of having success for a long period of time. So, um, you know, the, people, the fans in Saskatchewan were hungry for it. They were hoping that we were going to be able to find a guy that could, could do that. I think they were, you know, a little bit of a hangover from free agency with the big quarterbacks being on the market, huge names being out there in free agency that, um, that everyone's getting excited. Where are these players going? Are we going to get one of these, uh, one of these quarterbacks that are in free agency? Uh, and then when we get the guys that we do and, and Cody kind of being an unknown to our fans and then all of a sudden kind of coming out of nowhere for our fans and, and having a great year and um, I think it just was a kind of a build up there and then you know Cody certainly helps with his, with his personality and his connection with the fans and um, jumped right into our community and, and uh, bought into our team and you know kind of reflected with how quickly he blew up. And literally he like he gets stuff stolen from his truck and he's talking about hey I just hope it helps the person who stole it like it's one in a million yeah. kind of guy that you might hope yeah. to find as a franchise guy. You're right yeah and, and it's an interesting you know it's interesting because um, early on we had such a small sample size you got to be you got to be really really careful that we don't get ahead of ourselves and just say hey okay this is our guy with such a small uh, sample size and, and kind of um, it was one of those situations where Cody really earned the contract as the season went on and as it began to build, I thought the timing was right to, to go ahead and talk to him about it. But you're right, you know, as soon as as soon as he's playing well, I mean, there wasn't a person in Saskatchewan when they saw me to, didn't tell me to, to get Cody signed. Right? So it wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't like it was a secret that I was going to try to get him signed at some point. But I, I was very, um, uh, I don't want to say that I was hesitant because I definitely wasn't hesitant. I was saying I was being a little more cautious with uh, with making sure that Cody was going to was going to be able to do that uh, for, for a longer period of time than, than what he had. Do you get a lot of that when you're out in the community, even shopping for groceries, you know, the armchair general managers are saying, hey, we need to sign Cody Fajardo, or you better sign Jack Evans. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You get it quite a bit. Um, uh, numerous stories. That, um, I had one a couple months ago uh, where a friend of mine was actually in the emergency room, and and, uh, and it was late at night, and I was just there kind of showing some support to him. And, and I was walking down the, uh, the hallway, and there was a, uh, a nice older couple that were in front of me that were walking. And it was late at night because it was, you know, we were in the emergency room for a long time there. But um, the guy, I think it was, I think it was after our Banjo Bowl versus Winnipeg. And we obviously didn't play too well in that game. But the, uh, the guy in front of me just kind of turned back and saw me. He called me day first game day and I said it's, yeah, it's, it's O'Day and, and he just said hey, well, hopefully hopefully you guys play better this week so so it doesn't matter where you are you could be in a you know you're in a tough situation but but uh, but that's you know to be honest that's kind of what um, 
you know, you have to be able to accept that when uh, when you're in a, in a province where football matters so much and, and, and have such a, a strong support. And it's part of the deal, it really is. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that, that, that uh, these people are passionate about football, and if they want to give me their two cents, then who am I to tell them not to, right? And it must be part of the reason why you really coveted that job and you're kind of painted in rider green. Yeah, and I've been there for quite some time, obviously, and so um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm well aware of our, of our, uh, of our history and, and, our, and our support and our, and our passion of our fans, and so uh, it's not something that, that's new to me or anything uh, anything like that. It's, uh, it's kind of everywhere you go, and, and people are just genuinely interested in the Rock Riders and, uh, and care about the team and the success of the team has, so it's, it's something that you, you have to embrace. So for you, what's the next most important task? Uh, well, you know, I think for us, obviously, we're, we're finishing up on our coaching staff, so that's, that's coming together well, and then uh, just tackling our free agents, starting to prepare for the draft. Um, it's kind of the every, every year cycle that we go through, but uh, right now the focus is on our free agency and working through those guys, and then, uh, and then we'll look at our draft and, and also uh, changing of our of our global draft and, and the scouting that will go into that, there will be a, a little more preparation than we would have had last year. For free agency and the negotiating period that we're going to have, do you see that changing it very much? Um, I'm not sure. I'm actually more interested to see how it's going to work and to kind of see the philosophy of, of other teams as well as, as to see how um, how offers are going to take place. Um, you know, I, I'm more interested to see how that's going to all shake down. I know we're going to get a little bit more into that this week in our and discuss how that what the logistics of those uh, that period is going to happen, but um, it is interesting. Um, you know, I see it kind of a little bit slower than, than in the past, so maybe that's weighing on some of the players' minds of, of getting into that window and still having the opportunity to go back to the team. So I don't know. We'll see how it how it affects us, whether it slows down the process or whether we get uh, whether these guys sign it back. Yeah, from talking to some other guys in the league, and Brock Sunderland was just in here and saying that. During that negotiating period now, if you put an offer down, you can't pull it. So you can essentially try to up the market for a guy and then take it away. Is that your understanding? Yeah, that's the understanding now. And you know, and then there's all sorts of questions that would go with that. So for example, if you're trying to sign up uh, a guard and you, there's there's numerous guards that you want to put an offer to and hoping that you're gonna get one of them. Say, let's just say there's multiple players that you want to put an offer in, and all of a sudden one of them accepts your offer and then the other so that, that's the question is, is how is that going to happen, right? Because you don't want to be left holding, holding the bag empty when you, you want a couple of guys thinking that you're going to get one of them and then you don't get, get them. So that, that's that's the interest that I have is how that whole dynamic is going to work with uh, when the offers are going to take place, how quickly it will take place, and whether some teams will maybe not even offer until the end. You've had some guys on your team that are working out in the NFL. Derek Moncrief has had so many workouts, I don't think we can keep up with them all. Uh, Shaq Evans had one with the New York Giants. I feel like Nick Marshall as well, and there might even be a couple other guys. Do you feel like you're going to lose some of those guys to the NFL and potentially have to replace them? Uh, we will. Yeah, we will. Um, I, I think Derek will probably get an opportunity here shortly, and, and uh, he'll be a guy that we'll have to end up replacing. So um, whether that's through agency, through our, our scout network, or whether we already have the guy on our roster, so we'll have to do that. Um, I don't anticipate uh, any others. I hope it can change at any time. Uh, but I do feel like Derek's probably going to get a chance.
Does the reinstatement of the NFL window help the CFL in terms of a recruiting tool and getting players up here quick, more quickly than maybe they otherwise would? Yeah, I think it, uh, it's always a, it's a common question that we get asked from the guys when they come up. Will they have the ability to go to the NFL if they have a good season or two, a good two seasons? So I think it definitely helps. Uh, it's not anything that would, would hinder us by any means. It's only a, a help for us. Um, you know, from a GM standpoint, um, you know, is it nicer to, to not have that window? I, I guess it's debatable because uh, the, the good part about it is is you're um, you're able to use that as a little bit of a leverage, and then it creates a little bit of openness for the player. And he says, "Okay, I still have that opportunity. After I come up for a year, I can come up and have a good year, and then if I get an opportunity, I can take it." So um, it definitely helps for recruiting the players. Um, for managing your team, it makes it a little more difficult because you don't have those guys to for two years. Yeah, because they could leave after one year, potentially. Yeah. So, overall for you, the guys that were on your roster last year, are there some that stand out that you're sort of pegging that you want to bring back or that you're in negotiations with or might even be close, close yeah, with? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we, uh, we obviously, uh, you know, I would say that you prioritize your list, but every player is going to be different. So, if you're... Um, one of your guys that's a higher priority may 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 have NFL workouts, so therefore you can't you can't just wait until that priority's uh, over with. Otherwise, you'll you know you'll lose the opportunity to, to talk to your to your own players. So um, we've uh, we've reached out to, to all of our free agents, and at least um, they understand the, the position we're in, or whether we're in the back, whether we offer contracts. So we have you know, we have multiple contract offers that are out right now that you're negotiating with with uh, with your current free agents trying to get them back. You know, and then there's some guys that you've talked to that you've also told them that, that we're going to go in a different direction or we're not going to offer your contract back. So uh, we try to be as open as possible with them and just give them an opportunity to prepare on uh, yeah, From what Shaq Evans has said in particular, it seems like he wants to be back in Regina. Do you see him as a building block sort of moving forward with Cody Fajardo just because of the connection they had? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not hard to see that they have a good connection with each other and that Shaq's, you know, he's... Uh, had a heck of a year. He's an outside receiver that had put up numbers as an inside slot. So he's he's uh, he's a very good player for us. Um, feelings mutual. We'd like to get him back. Probably we're going to uh, be able to work some out um, in the near future with him and his representation. And I would say a couple guys on defense that a lot of people would look at. Probably number one would be Mike Johnson and sort of that change that you made going from Willie Jefferson to bringing Johnson inside. Would Jefferson be a guy that you guys? want to have back or how do you feel about his season overall because a lot of people might look at the sack totals being down but we're not watching the coaches tape. no yeah and it's and sometimes uh it is something that a lot of people focus on the sacks and i think like a season actually uh, earlier on the season where he was where he was hitting the stat sheet as for sacks he was actually really close and and uh four or five games there where he probably could have had four or five uh, sacks early, which would have put his total up by close to the double digits again. And for whatever reason, it was uh, the guy was just slipping out of it, or something would happen, and, and he was you know he's very close. But he's he's an impact player. He's he's a very good player. He's he's obviously someone that, uh, can, that physically dominates uh, players, and, and uh, his physicality is something we like. So we're continuing with uh, conversations with all of our free agents, and we'll, we'll see where it leads. Yeah, I feel like just a couple other guys. Cam Judge seems like he's turned into a ratio breaker. He's had a little bit of NFL interest, I believe, one workout. Did you get the sense that he, the feeling's sort of mutual there in terms of him wanting to come back? Yeah, we've had good conversations with him. Obviously, we're going to get uh, a little more deeper in those conversations now. He actually did have an NFL workout, so 
uh, after he goes through that, we kind of get to dive into the, the contract numbers. And, um, got good feedback from him. Again, it's it's a, it's a process that hasn't happened again out of a year, and um, we're just trying to find the numbers that work for, for both him and you, and, and uh, we'd like him to be back and play a big part of our team. And the one other guy that almost feel like is a little bit underrated, and maybe shouldn't be, is Nick Marshall, because everyone's looking at Trey Robins, Roberson or Winston Rose or Delvin Rowe because they sort of have that name value built up. Yeah. But do you feel like Marshall is underrated, and is he a guy that you could see locking down that boundary side in Saskatchewan for a little while? Yeah, he's a good, he's a good player. Nick's good, good player. He's a heck of an athlete. Um, he's got great ball skills. He's a guy that can kind of flip the game real quick with an interception. Um, really like Nick, and, and I think he really likes Saskatchewan. So um, Nick also had a workout that we had to kind of go through, uh, go through the whole kind of NFL thing with him, and, and then now we're uh, discussions with him as well. We're, we're trying to get him back, so we're we're excited uh, with how that's going with him, and um, hope to get something done soon. So let's just get away from football for a couple minutes, and then we'll let you go. What's Jeremy O'D the guy like? Other than football, you're probably crazed about it as it is. You know what are you into? Um, let's see here. I think probably the, you know the, the outside of football, I have, I have three three great kids and, and a great wife. So any, anytime I'm not doing something with football, I'm usually doing it with them. They're real active, so they're all teenagers. Uh, my son Tyson is 15. My daughter Brooklyn is 13. My my other daughter Alyssa is 12. Um, they're they're active in, in so many fun activities and functions and, and sports that um, I'm kind of just running around from from function to function if I can. Um, what's nice is my my middle daughter is, is uh, uh, she's a diver and she actually dives she, she literally dives like 40 feet from her stadium and gets her. 40 yards from our stadium, so I can walk out of my office and literally watch her dive in practice. So it works out really well. So really, just spending a lot of time with uh, with my family. Um, football takes up such a big part of your life, even when you're not working, technically working, you're still still working, or you're watching football. Or, uh, when you go home, you're, you tend to just turn on the game and you're watching football kind of constantly. But it, it's kind of uh, something I love to do. So it's not that uh, it doesn't feel like work to me. Um, and then outside of outside of that is, is like I said, it's really just family and, uh, and enjoying watching them grow up. And I'm fortunate to, to be in the same city for a long time. I don't take that for granted. We're um, getting to see my kids grow up in the same place, and that happens. It's been a, been a big thing for me. And, my oldest is just starting to drive, so life's kind of changing for, from the kids' perspective for where they were just little rug rats running around to now they're, they're young adults that are uh, starting behind the wheel. So uh, they're just maturing a little bit. It's been fun doing that. So does he steal dad's car now, or how does that work? Well, he uh, he's yeah he's trying to, but it, you know I, I I got a rider vehicle, so I, I I told him I don't know if you really want the responsibility to drive around in a rider vehicle. One time. You, you got to be prepared for what you might get when you're riding in a rider vehicle car. But uh, no, it's been a fun process. I got great kids; they're, they do real well in school. They're all real active. And, uh, great wife at home that, that supports me. So it's uh, uh, this takes up such a big part of your life, and, and uh, even when you go home, it's not really over with. And uh, it's kind of what we signed up for, and it's, it takes a different person to do it, but it's, uh, it's enjoyable. It seems like you passed down the athlete genes to all three. Yeah, my uh, my first two definitely got it. My, my third is is more into to arts and and uh, into acting, and, and she really loves that. And, uh, the first two are a little bit more competitive and. 
uh, she's a little more forgiving and, and uh, nice to people. You know, the two of them, they, they kind of got the competitiveness. So, uh, yeah, it's a good mix. They're all different. All three of them are different, which is nice. And, and uh, you know, got their own thing going on the turf. I think it's awesome. Any future football players or managers in there? Uh, Tyson's, uh, my son is, uh, he started playing football this year. So he's, uh, oddly enough, when when you think of, of my son, you probably think he's probably an offensive lineman. But he's actually real, he's actually built more like my wife. And he's, He's thin and he's in much better shape. So I told him he's, not, he's in a better course than I am, and stick with that. So he's a, he's a receiver, and uh, yeah, he played with his high school team this year and got to play a little bit. Which high school was that? He plays at Winston Knoll. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's your your scouting report? Does he have a high upside? He's uh, first of all, I, I would start off by saying he's smart. So he's uh, he's definitely got a uh, he's he grown about he grew about six inches this off season. So he went from being really short to being middle of the pack now. So um, that's good that he got he got a little more height and uh, needs to work on his speed a little bit. But he has good hands, does catch the ball well, and, and uh, he is very coachable. So he's he's a guy that uh, you tell him what to do, he won't make the same mistake twice. So he's he's on the right path. And, path and loves that he's a team guy what I like the most is that he got involved with football and kind of bought in and, and jumped into it full, uh, full speed and, and he uh, really bought into the team concept being part of a team and, and uh, it's fun to see him and his teammates hanging out. The up and coming ratio breaking receiver maybe? I don't know he's a long way from that I tell him <laughs> that all the time he's got a long way to go but he's, he's taken a lot of steps and made a lot of progress and uh, he, he needs to start with just getting on the field in high school. Once he can do that, then we'll look at what's next. <laughs> well, Jeremy, the general manager and the family man, thanks a lot for joining us and enjoy your time at Blue Mountain. Appreciate it. Craig Dickinson, not Dave. He was trying to butt in line there, I think. I saw that. Saskatchewan yes. Rough Riders head coach. We've got a bit of a peanut gallery over here. Orlando Steinauer in the back, Dave Dickinson, Rick Campbell, a bunch of the West head coaches. Yeah, yeah. Well, Orlando's at the East. So. I don't know what they're talking about. Over <laughs> <there>. <laughs> they're conspiring against you. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so I had Jeremy on just a few minutes ago talking about a bunch of different things. And you know, the first question I talked to him about was just Jason Moss coming in and how that came about. And he said, you'd be a better guy, obviously, to speak to that. So how did it happen? Well, we felt like, you know, we felt like we did a good job on offense during the season, but we also felt like we needed to improve in some areas. And one of the areas I felt like I wanted to improve on was specifically was more, more tempo offense and more basically no huddle. And so um, we'd looked at making a change. We'd, we decided between Jeremy and I that we were going to do that. And then when Jason became available, that was the guy we earmarked right away to go after. So it was just a matter of uh, we were going to make the change. And then when Jason became available, that's the guy we aggressively pursued. And we were fortunate enough to get him. Were you surprised that he was all right with going back down to being a coordinator so quickly? Yeah, because he's a football guy. Uh, that's the one thing. Um, you know, being a coordinator sometimes can be a little bit more enjoyable often you know sometimes than being a head coach because you get to really just focus on football you don't have to worry about the schedule or how many buses you're taking to the stadium or what time you're supposed to eat the pregame meal you can just coach football and and Jason's a football guy you can you can get that right away when you talk to him and so this hopefully allows him a chance to get back to his roots which is coaching quarterbacks calling plays and being an offensive coordinator I think he'll do a great job how much did Cody factor into the decision and what I mean by that I guess is do you have a discussion with Cody and say hey you know we're thinking about 
this offensive coordinator or that offensive coordinator yeah. and get he, his thoughts? You know, he, I think that's too much to put on a player, Justin, to be honest with you. But we talk to our players. Um, we talk to them at the end of the year, and we ask them what they thought we could do better as a staff. Did they have, you know, good relationships with the coaches? And honestly, they were all positive stuff from Cody at the end of the year. But I also asked him when we decided to make the move, how do you feel about Jason as a play caller? And he loved him. Um, was very excited about him because he, he had a chance to work now with a guy that played the position and uh, a guy that's, that's had some success in the CFL calling plays. So we asked, you know, we asked Cody what he thought of it. We certainly weren't going to make our decision based on necessarily um, one person's opinion, but it's a collaborative effort between the coaching staff, the management group, and some of our key players, and we all felt like Jason was a good fit. So before Jason became available, you had sort of been making these plans. Was there anyone else like on that target list to be OC? No, you know, we, we were too busy trying to win, win games at the end of the year, really. Um, it's amazing. There's a lot of good football coaches, and you just got to sometimes be patient, and the right guy uh, will become available, hopefully, you know. So Jason, we, he, was, he was a guy we liked. We liked Jarius Jackson. Jarius and I have worked together. Uh, I liked Marcus Howell as well. So there were some guys out there. We felt like Jason was the best fit, so we went after him hard. And the other big sort of off-season box to check off actually happened in-season when you guys signed Cody Fajardo to the two-year contract extension. What was that like for you in terms of having that happen in-season? Did it just feel natural? It just, we, we weren't quite sure what to do. You know, that was something where Jeremy was a little more in the lead than I was. But uh, Cody also didn't really want to deal with the distraction of signing a new contract during the season. But at some point, you know, after so many games where we felt like, you know what, he's, he's shown enough that we feel confident moving forward and building this team around him, that's when we, we started kicking the tires on putting an extension together. And I'm glad we did it because we did it quickly. You know, both sides were, were, you know, made it happen quick. I didn't think it was a distraction at all. And I think it actually gave him a little peace of mind through the stretch run that he was the guy regardless of how he played at the end of the year. Were you surprised that he was able to play in the West Final? Uh, no, I wasn't, but he, he went through some pain to do that. I mean, I knew he was going to play. Um, you weren't going to keep him off the field, you know. Unless it was something that was going to be detrimental to his health in the long run, he was going to play. And uh, his toughness has never been questioned. And I, I knew he'd find a way to do it. That injury was worse than I, than I thought initially, and I think it did affect him a little bit. But he's a tough guy. And I'm, I'm not surprised he, he basically gritted it out and played that last, that last game. And he pretty much said as much that nothing was going to hold him out of there. But it's just, I don't know if people out there, and I have no idea either, like how much pain he was actually in playing with two torn obliques, considering all the twisting he's got to do. And yeah, stuff and I don't know either. You know, that's one of those things. It's very different for each person. But I think he was in a lot of pain. Um, you know, and I think... I think he, we didn't practice, he basically didn't practice the last three weeks of the season, you know, from when he heard it to, to the playoff game. So um, I thought he played exceptionally well in that West Final based on the fact that he didn't have a lot of practice reps going into that game. What was it like for you as a first year head coach? I remember week one seeing you in Hamilton and you were playing a game on the sidelines. I can't remember exactly what it was, but do you have a name for that? No, we don't, but it's just where we're trying to knock the bottles down. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just something to do to keep us busy during that last that last practice, that day four. Uh, yeah, it was a fun year. You know, it, I learned a lot as the year went along. I certainly feel like I'm better prepared this year than I was last year to, to coach better. But it was really just a rewarding experience, Justin, because I had good people 
on the staff. The team was a bunch of good dudes that really, I think, gelled as the season went on. So it was, it was all around really a rewarding and fun season. Were there any moments that happened throughout the year, and most of them, I'm going to guess, maybe were in-game where you thought, oh, you know, this popped up and it was kind of like a pressure-filled decision, whether it was, you know, to challenge a player or not or anything like that that stuck out? Yeah, well, the one thing that sticks out is, is the game up here moves so fast um, that you really got to be on top of your, your clock management. And, and I made a couple of mistakes this last year in clock management. Hopefully I'll do a better job of next year. Um, but that, that those were the ones, you know. And, and the reality is it's not necessarily the challenge that, that you're really debating. It's the, the timeout because the timeouts are so valuable in, in our league. So if you want to challenge something and you, and you lose it, you lose a timeout, you know. So that's that's the tough part about it. So I think those were those were some of the moments during games where I I felt probably the most pressure is is, is not necessarily the challenge, but do I have a timeout? Do I use the timeout? And if I do use the timeout, how does that affect my ability to challenge later in the game? Because if you don't have it, you can't challenge that pass interference late in the game. You're just stuck watching. Mm. So in terms of when you're thinking about when you use the challenges now, because it's so stringent and that you don't want to potentially not have it at the end of the game, are you always sort of evaluating that as the game goes along, or do you have like any analytics to back that up? No, I don't have analytics, but but I do have a good guy in the box. Kent Majeri is, is my replay coach up there, and he basically he's responsible for letting me know if, if – if, now, if I see it on the field, Justin, I know we can win it, I challenge it. But if I don't see it clearly or I'm not sure it's winnable, I'll try to ask Kent to take a look at it on the replay. And the, and the real key for us is not necessarily do we feel like we're right – it's do we feel like we can win it? Uh, there's a lot of challenges where you feel like I know that was one thing, but the key is is there enough video evidence to convince the guys in Toronto that to see the same thing that I'm seeing? And that's that's the challenge challenge behind that. So I thought we did a decent job. We lost a few early in the season, but you know as the season goes along, you get a better feel for how the command center's interpreting things. They'll tell you how they're going to interpret it, but until you get in a few games and actually see it, uh, it takes a little while to get a feel for how they're going to they're going to handle the reviews. Is there a thought process there that oh, I know I can win this play, but do I need to keep it for later in the game? Yes. So then you're always cost benefit you know okay so we win we win an illegal contact challenge how valuable is that as opposed to a pi late in the game you know, is it a penalty on first down do you really want to challenge that because you still got another down to possibly get the first down so that's something you look at all the time you, you only have so many challenges so you got to make sure they're big ones when you use them yeah, it's too bad you can't challenge the goalpost being in the way on a potential yeah that's game just the way it is <laughs> that's the cfl <laughs> So, for you, Coach, what's on top of your priority list right now? Well, we got to get our staff. Um, we're close. We're a couple guys away, and, and there's some good candidates that I'm talking to right now. So, that'll be our first first job is to get our staff squared away, and then secondly, try to resign our priority free agents. We've got some good ones out there that we're already in talks with, and we're trying to get those key guys signed so we can go into free agency knowing if we have any holes to fill, what are they, and, and who are we targeting to fill. There's a lot of people curious about what you might do for a quarterback's coach, and obviously Jason Moss is tied with Ricky Ray, and even Cody Fajardo's tied with Ricky Ray. Is that a possibility at all? Ricky's not interested in coaching. I'll answer that. Um, I think he's still 
he's still getting getting to know his family again after being you know gone and coach and, and playing for so long. So I've talked to Ricky a couple of times. I think he's happy where he's at. Not to say that if the perfect opportunity came along, he wouldn't jump at it. But we've talked to Ricky, and um, as of today, he's indicated to us that he's not quite ready to jump into coaching. I think he will at some point, but it's not today. Is there any guys that you sort of have in mind for that position? And how important is the quarterback coach? Well, Jason's going to be working with our quarterback. So the reality is we feel like we got a quarterback's coach on staff already. Um, now, if we can add a guy like a Ricky Ray that's got great experience playing it and, and can ease the load on Jason a little bit, we will. But the reality is we feel like Jason is as good a quarterback's coach as there is out there. So we've got a guy. Now we just got to find one other coach probably on off the offensive side of the ball that, that fits in and can contribute pretty much across the board and help out wherever he needs to. And you mentioned some of the free agents earlier. Are there guys that you look at from a locker room construction standpoint that, you know, I'm, I know I want him back? Or let's say something that you see Cody Fajardo and Shaq Evans seem to have a instant yep. connection. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we want to we want to sign our best players back and we want to sign our best locker room guys. And sometimes they're not <laughs> mutually exclusive, so to speak. Sometimes uh, a guy that's a great player maybe doesn't fit the locker room quite as well as you want, and vice versa. So we're trying to sign sign some key guys back. There's some glue guys that we want to bring back in the fold, guys that we feel like bring a lot to the table in terms of playing ability and also locker room. Um, and that's what we're in the process of doing. So that's on your football priority list, but... I kind of know that you like to get away a little bit and be in the mountains and stuff like that. So have you had a chance to do any of that in the offseason yet? Yeah, I have, but uh, not as much as I'd like. My, my first first day snowboarding this year, I got a little bit over-anxious and went went right over the handlebars and pulled my hamstring. So I'm getting old, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> so I know what it feels like to pull a hamstring now, finally, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> I, I never was fast enough to do it as, as, a, as an athlete, but now as an old man, I can do it all the time. So, so what, what happened? <laughs> I just I just caught an edge and went right over the top, and uh, uh, it's okay. I, I I went back out actually three days ago before I came out here, and I'll be I'll be okay. But uh, my skiing and snowboarding has been a little slower to start the year than it normally would be. So was it? did you kind of just go like the double black diamond too quick kind of thing? Well, you know, we've all had the, that, that puppy dog, right, in the back of the pickup or in the back seat of the car that when he sees the dog park, he just jumps out and there's no warm-up. That was me. And, <laughs> and I ran smack dab into the fence, so to speak. Would that have been in Montana? or where Yeah, was that was yeah. Back, back home in Montana. So what's that... Uh, Dickinson family gathering like let's say at Christmas now that you guys are both head coaches does it change at all not much no you know because because I have a twin sister Amy and then my brother David they both got kids so a lot of what we do revolves around the nieces and nephews and um, lots of card games you know lots of lots of laughing and joking around we all spent Christmas actually Justin at my folks place in Great Falls and it was awesome I think there's 10 of us in that small little house that that really only is, is it's a little bit too small even for five. <laughs> but there was 10 of us in there, and we got a chance to get to know each other well. And as usual, I got the, the short end of the straw for sleeping arrangements. Me and the bachelor, I had to sleep on the couch. Oh, no. Okay, well, at least you're on the couch, not the outhouse. <laughs> oh, I mean, you never know. <laughs> oh, man, that was so funny. I totally forgot what, what I was going to ask you next. But um, is there an up-and-coming... 
Dickinson protege that's in the next generation? Yeah, there's a couple good ones. You know, I got a nephew out in Oregon that was a pretty good ball player, my sister's son. He's he's at Oregon State. I think he's done playing baseball. I think his athletic focus now is on ultimate frisbee. I don't even have a clue what that is. Um, and then <laughs> David's son, Cooper, is a pretty good little football player. Dave's uh, Coop's got to get in the weight room, though. He's a little bit skinny right now. But he's only 13, so he's got... He's got some time to get a little bit bigger. He's already breaking film film down with that. Oh yeah, Coop Coop knows. He knows. He's a smart smart guy. Good good little football player. And we can just get him a little bigger. He's got a chance. Mm, interesting. So we could have a. Would he be Canadian? Yes, he would. Racial breaking quarterback. Yes, he maybe. would. That spot. There you go. Man, that'd be lucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Craig, what about for you? You know, in season in living in Regina, some people kind of feel like it's a fishbowl there, and everyone loves the team. Do you like that aspect? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, the reality is we don't get out much. We go in early and we come out late. <laughs> you know, where where we work, there's no windows. So um, it is a fishbowl, but, you know, people care about football, and I think that's great. I mean, that, the, the one thing you don't want is apathy. You don't want to go somewhere where they don't care. And in Regina and in Saskatchewan, they care about football, and they want you to do well, and you're going to hear from them whether you do well or whether you, whether you struggle. So... It's certainly a, a great place to coach, great place to live and work, and I couldn't be happier being there. Jeremy was saying that there was one instance where he was in the emergency room, essentially, or in the hospital, I should say. He was visiting a friend, and one of the people in the emergency room was kind of saying, oh, hey, like, should you make this move, or you better win next week? Do you find that happens a lot when you're out and about? There's sort of the armchair head coaches? Sure. That's the one thing I've learned. That every, there's a lot of football experts in, in Regina in Saskatchewan specifically so um, yeah you get some you'll get some feedback and why'd you do this or this that and the other thing I learned a lesson early on as as many years ago when I was there as an assistant I was living in the basement of an elderly lady and uh, came home after a game we'd gotten beat and the grandma we called her grandma and she was sitting with her her friends on on the porch drinking tea and as I walked in one of grandma's friends said to me, you guys really stunk it up up there today. So, <laughs> so they, you know, they know, they know. Grandma doesn't oh, lie. I'll tell you, they don't mince words. So needless to say, the cheap rent, I had, I think they were, they were threatening to charge me a little more for rent if we didn't turn it around. So they, uh, they care about football out there. So I love it. It's good people. Has anyone ever given you an idea in some form or fashion that you implemented in some way or uh, that you never lots thought of about? ideas a good friend of mine Shane Campbell in Calgary we call him soup because because of the last name Campbell soup so soupy he had a play he called it hail soupy and it's a specific pass play at the end of the game where you have a certain number of guys to one side and a certain number of guys to the other I can't get into the specifics because it's actually a pretty good play yeah yeah uh, and he's he's demanded that I put it into the into the playbook I haven't yet to do it, but it's uh, it's on my list of things to do. So if someone around Ryderville actually has something that they might want to get in, they should come up to you? Uh, they can come up to me, <laughs> but it better be legit, you know. Uh, Soupy's play is legit. It's a good play, and I'll uh, he'll be thrilled that I'm talking about it on the radio. Let me just put it that way. So essentially what you're saying is if you're going to attack the rim, you better come strong. Okay, you better bring a game. You know, you don't don't bring some crappy play up because it better be good. If it's good, I'll listen. <laughs> and Craig, I feel like one other thing for you specifically, 
that there's you know a little bit of a more sort of easygoing feel around the riders, and you specifically in the media answer everything so truthfully. Why is that? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, that's just kind of who I am. And the one thing I was told when I took this job. I was told two things. Huff Nagel told me, don't mess it up. That was Huff's advice. <laughs> Thanks, Huff. And then the other thing I was told is just be yourself. And because uh, we don't, you know, we're not, I'm not a very good actor. I'm not good at being somebody that I'm not. So um, the, the one thing I, I hope people see is I tried to bring an element of joy to, because I think you have to enjoy what you're doing. And so we try to, as a football team, have joy and find joy in what we're doing. And I think when you do that, you're in the present a little bit more. You're not worried about what happens here or there. And, and you're grateful and appreciative for what you got. So that's how I live my life, Justin. So naturally, that's how I'm going to approach my job. Yeah, and I feel like you just look at some of the other ways. And everyone's different. But some people are very close to the vest with, let's say, the injury situations. But Cody Fertigardos would be a perfect example that you're providing the updates and everyone can sort of follow along and I think it goes to show that hey you can be truthful and be honest with that and you're 13 and 5 at the top of the west yeah I don't know why it is but some sometimes we get really full of ourselves in pro sports we think uh, what we do is really important that we're a big deal and the reality is we we're just like anybody else our job happens to be a little more uh, out in the open so people can can critique us we happen to get a little more attention but the reality is you know Sometimes we overthink and overanalyze and think by being secretive or maybe unapproachable or somehow doing a better job, and I don't believe in that. I think you can do a great job and still be a genuine person. And honestly, if you don't want to answer a question, Justin, you just say, I don't feel comfortable answering that, and that's usually good enough. Mm -hmm. Straight up and honest. Well, Craig, thanks for taking some time out. And if you do get out on Blue Mountain, just be a little careful. I will. <laughs> this is a work trip, not a play <laughs> trip, but I appreciate the advice. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.